It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johara Tundok and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors that comes with a five-year warranty. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more details. Good people are like candles. They burn brightly to give others light. That's the little saying on my calendar from the Divine Word Missionaries this month. Isn't it lovely? Good people are like candles. They burn brightly to give others light. Take it with you for the month ahead. I always give it an airing at the start of the month. Welcome to Late Lunch, the first day of November, All Saints Day today. Thank God Halloween is over. I think I'm showing me age at this stage. Loved all the children calling to the doors. I never had as many trick or treaters. There was one crowd called and I think I should have brought them out cans to give to them rather than sweets, to be honest with you, they were that old first callers. But loads of lovely children who came to say hello on the night and it's for them and about them. But as from the crowd from Beirut, who just blew the place out of it for hours on end. I detest that stuff, I have to say. I love a good fireworks display, as Earl Louise said today, but that boom, 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 non-stop, and really serious stuff as well. Thank God it's over for another year. Anyway, late lunch just beginning now for the next couple of hours, and we have lots to bring you. Oh, my artist of the week, I can't wait. Stefani, Joanne, Angelina, Germanotta is my artist of the week this week. Declan Bailey joining us. What's up with WhatsApp? We'll find out. Fiona Buckley's here. She's brilliant. A HR woman and more besides. She's talking about motivation in the workplace today. Paul Leach is with us as COP26 opens in Glasgow today. He's an architecture architect, very appropriate. And of course, we have you with us, and you're welcome again. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Well, again, the woman herself said it to me. Louise said, I'm telling you, let him go and watch what happens. He's like a boomerang, isn't he? He's back with us today. Professor Paul Moyne, hello again. Hi, Jerry. Good to chat again. Ah, good to chat to you too. It's barely a month since we said, look, we'd leave it off for a while. But Paul, look, there's a reason you're back with us today. The case numbers, the numbers in ICU, hospitalised, Paul. Are we heading for, you know, a crisis situation? It's difficult to know, Jerry. I think it was always going to be uncertain as we went into the winter months. I've mentioned a number of times on the show that the SARS-CoV-2 virus, it's a respiratory virus, and these respiratory viruses tend to transmit better during the winter periods. And then on top of that, we also had the Delta variant, which is a highly transmissible form. So put the two of them together, and we haven't experienced the Delta variant in the winter before. So put that in conjunction with the seasonality. And then another factor has been these breakthrough infections. So 
as we move four, five, six months from our second vaccine, we become susceptible to infection again. They're called breakthrough infections and they shouldn't be confused, but there's a sense there that the vaccines aren't working. They're still working really, really well and protecting us against serious illness and hospitalisation. But there is no doubt we become susceptible to infection again. And for that reason, now the booster programme is going to be uh, rolled out, especially those vulnerable and the older age groups. So are we, how it's difficult to predict, but certainly the next, over the coming months, and it's always been the case, if you look over the winter months, the burden on the health system and the mm. healthcare system, it's sort of always on a knife edge. But now, put on top of this, we've got this additional virus which is adding that increased burden. So obviously you need to be very vigilant with respect to the uh, hospitalisation numbers, but especially those in ICU. So time will tell. Um, I think some of the things that we can do, the rolling out of the booster programme, especially for the over 60s, those with underlying conditions, immunocompromised, I think that will help somewhat in terms of reducing the impact on the hospitals, especially ICU. But it also should be noted that the majority of people in ICU are unvaccinated. We've got around 300,000 people who have not been vaccinated. So if we could reach and encourage more of those to take up the vaccine, that would also have a beneficial effect. So I think there's some things we can do to maybe alleviate some of the stress that we're currently experiencing, especially in the hospitals. Was it crazy, Paul, to reopen nightclubs? And would the pictures we see from Dublin and Belfast, now they opened there last night in the north, all around the country as well, with numbers queuing, then all going in, you know, into in a confined area. Was there really a need to? I think in terms of the timing, Jerry, I said this previously on your show, I thought maybe the time to begin to open up some things would have been in the summer because the virus doesn't transmit as well during the summer months. So back ending everything towards the end of the year, I always had concerns about that because with schools being open... And again, as we went into the winter months when the virus transmits very efficiently. So there's going to be always risks uh, associated with that. I think at some stage we have to open up, so I'd probably prefer it back in the summer and then see if if we needed to go back and maybe reintroduce maybe some restrictions later on in the winter months. But we are where we are now, so I think it's going to be difficult to roll back on that, and especially as we've opened up and opened up various sectors. I think it's going to be very difficult to go back on that. So I think all we can do now is to try to mitigate some of the risks associated with that opening up. And, you know, we're using things, for example, in terms of vaccine certs for entry to these events. Um, so I think if, if things get very serious in terms of and the there is a major surge and the hospitals are seriously uh, at risk. I think we may be looking then at situations where some restrictions may be reintroduced, but I think things will have to get very serious in order for that to happen. Have we dropped our guard? Have we just had, you know, people have done an awful lot, I have to say, and credit must be given, but, you know, there's a weariness comes with this as well, and there's a desire to get back to living life before COVID. Uh, yet, would you feel like, as regards the masks, the hand washing, you know, going into crowds in bars and places like that, that are very, very busy. Would you go, Paul? Would you go Would you go into a crowded area? Yeah, but I tend to look at, Jerry, and I've said this again, uh, I tend to try to evaluate the risk myself, so if you go into a very crowded area, you know, there's no masks and, uh, you know, very densely populated. In those situations, I would probably try to avoid. So and I think for most people, most people are now at the stage where they're judging their own risk. Mm. 
someone may build something to be really high risk and are not comfortable with it and wouldn't go into to that environment. Others may say that actually, no, I'm perfectly happy and I'm happy taking this risk. And it may depend on age as well, maybe younger people. Uh, and, you know, younger people have suffered a lot in terms of over the last 18 months or so. And maybe they're looking at a situation in terms of the risk, especially now vaccinated, the risk of, first of all, getting the virus and suffering severe COVID is greatly, greatly diminished. So they may look at the situations where maybe that risk isn't as significant as it was. And I think generally some people are moving in that direction and basically trying to return to normality and accepting there will always be a risk. There is no no risk scenario. And I think some would say, Jerry, and I think there's some truth in this, that at various stages in our lifetime, we are all going to encounter this virus. And obviously we want, when that happens, we want us to be as well protected as possible. But the virus isn't going away. It's going to be with us here indefinitely. So all we can do is, and the best defence that we have are the vaccines. And in situations, they're doing a fantastic job of doing what they were designed to do in terms of protecting against serious illness and hospitalisation. Yes, after a while, we do become susceptible to infections again. But with the booster programme, and especially prioritising those at risk, if we look at the vaccinated who are in ICU and hospitals, there's still those people who would have been in the risk groups, you know, older people, those with underlying conditions. And there's no doubt the booster programme is going to help in terms of protecting those cohorts going forward. There seems to be an acceptance as well that there will be life loss, uh, Paul, and there are quite a number of people dying each week because of the virus. That needs to be said. We're not getting the figures, you know, on a daily or weekly basis really at this stage, but you will see a summary of them. So like when you see 3,000 cases on Friday, a number of those of you extrapolated, people will will actually die. You've been talking today, I noticed as well, uh, about uh, the people who care for us in the health service and the booster vaccines and children returning to school. Yeah, so in terms of healthcare workers, it's probably surprised me that the booster programme and the boosters have not been rolled out already to the healthcare workers. And I say that for a number of reasons. We know at the waning of the antibodies where people become susceptible to infection again, whilst they're still protected from serious illness, they can get uh, infected again. That tends to happen about five, six months after the second vaccine. If you look at our healthcare workers, they were one of the first cohorts to be vaccinated up to 9, 10, 11 months ago. So some of them will become susceptible to infection. And even as we speak today, Jerry, there's, I think there are over 3,500 healthcare workers yes. that are currently isolating and out of work. And that creates enormous problems, not only in terms of people with COVID in hospitals, but in terms of staffing around that. So I think the booster programme there, certainly they should be prioritised for a number of reasons. Number one, it'll help with staffing. Because we know from the booster program, we know for countries like Israel, when the booster program is rolled down, you will see decreased infections. Because what happens is it boosts your antibodies. Those antibodies will actually protect you from getting infected. So first of all, the staff there will be protected from infection. That will help, obviously, and, and reduce the numbers in isolation and out of work. But importantly as well, by protecting the healthcare workers, it, it protects and prevent spread of infection within the healthcare setting. Yes. And this is really, really important. We also know from the boosters they're safe. So Israel has rolled them out. Some other countries have rolled them out. And so far, we haven't seen any signal, safety signals that would make you worry. And then we also know that the protective effect with the boosters will be very fast. So when you get the booster, the antibodies are uh, induced within one or two weeks. So you see a very fast protective response. And then finally, most of the healthcare workers would have got very early on the AstraZeneca vaccine. 
And we now know that when that's combined in a vaccination called heterologous vaccination with one of the RNA vaccines, the protection, especially the immune response, is, is very, very strong. So I think that heterologous vaccination where healthcare workers would get an RNA vaccine, I would expect that NIAC today, I think NIAC are meeting today, I would expect that NIAC will recommend the immediate rollout to healthcare workers. And to be honest, I have been surprised that it hasn't already taken place. Mm. I think if it had been taken place, it would probably have reduced the number of healthcare workers probably currently in isolation. Okay, so that that, that is a priority and we expect more than that today. To the schools, they're back for the term now into Christmas time. Uh, a lot of mixing going on there. And you've touched on this many times over the months with us on the show. Um, you're calling for the introduction of contact tracing, which the teachers' unions are as well, uh, to be supported with antigen tests. Yeah, so at the moment, uh, when you look at uh, close contacts of confirmed cases in schools, there's no contact tracing being done. And I can see to to an extent why this was the case, because children were missing a lot of time at school. So close contact could have been excluded from school for 14 days, and then maybe come back in a week, then close contact again and out for another two weeks. The children have missed so much over the last year and a half, especially in terms of what they've missed out from with respect to education and school. And to me, it seems sensible that if you have close contacts and some of those close, close contacts may be infected, why not use antigen testing in those cases? And the antigen testing will pick up those cases that have infectious levels of the virus. So give the children or parents antigen tests and test them maybe every other day for a week after their close contact with the confirmed case. Each time they're negative, just let the child go into school. And this is much better. You're now informing the, the mm. pupil, the child, in terms of their status with respect to do they have infectious levels of the virus or not. And this is much better than what we're currently doing where we're not contact tracing, we're not looking at those cl- close contacts. And it still allows healthy children who have not been infected and do not have harbour infectious levels of the virus to attend school. So I think that is the best of both worlds. It mitigates, mitigates the risk associated with close contact in school while at the same time allowing healthy children to attend school. Five to 12-year-olds and vaccinations, are you in favour? Yeah, I think it'll happen through a regulatory process. It was approved last week in the US by the FDA. It's currently going through a similar process in um, through the European Medicines Agency for Europe. Again, as, as I will always say, Jerry, I would look at the data. Certainly the early results that we've seen from the companies looks promising in terms of that it's safe and it's uh, it shows good protection. So I think we await that evaluation. So it's very important to look at the benefits, but also, also the risks associated with that. So I would wait for the full data for that. I think it's really important. But that evaluation is coming. I'd probably be surprised if the AMA does not go down and approve as the FDA has done and then it'll be up to the uh, to, to NIAC to make uh, recommendations in that sense here in Ireland so but I will be surprised probably if not if not approved mm, 11 John's been on to say my 11 year old son uh, my uh, 13 15 year old daughter a lot of stories re-fertility should they be vaccinated yeah I don't I, I haven't seen any data now unambiguous data showing that the vaccine is affecting fertility so certainly in that sense I, I don't think there's evidence to support that I know there's sort of anecdotal indications that this may be the case but certainly in terms of hard data I haven't seen anything to, to, to that extent and certainly if you look at the risks associated with the virus itself and COVID itself the risks are much greater so again I would say that if faced with the choice of the virus and the vaccine. And if you're not vaccinated, I think at some point in time you will encounter the virus. 
I think faced the choice of the vaccine or the virus. I think the vaccine should be chosen every time. Finally, Paul, antiviral drugs. I've been reading a lot about uh, them over the weekend. There's been approval, is it, in the States as well? And there's been a, a purchase of quite a number. I think Merck have the, have the contract on these at the moment. Uh, well, one of them. Um, are they going to play a, a significant role? I think so, yeah. And that, that's a very really positive thing. And it's, it's good that you brought that up, Jerry. So to complement the use of the vaccines, there's been a lot of work, and we've spoken over the last 18 months on various antivirals like Remdesivir. And again, all the results have been very, very disappointing in this regard with respect to antivirals. But two really important studies and results have come out probably over the last three or four weeks. First of all, as you said, Merck, they were looking on a novel uh, new antiviral molecule called Molnupiravir. This is an antiviral drug that they have developed and it shows really good responses in terms of decreasing hospitalisation of COVID uh, patients. So uh, COVID people who've been infected by the virus greatly reduces hospitalisation. Then last week, another uh, drug that's actually currently used as an antidepressant and especially in the treatment of OCD. So it's a drug called fluvoxamine. And it, again, showed really promising effects. And the reason why this was trialled was because there were some indications initially that people who were on these antidepressant therapies showed some protection in terms of from developing severe COVID. So randomised controlled trial was uh, performed. And again, the, the effects, the trial, the mid-phase the mid phase three data came out and it was actually terminated prematurely because the results were so positive. So it showed a reduced hospitalisation by 30%. But if you actually looked at the fully compliant group, some of the groups didn't comply fully with taking the drug, but if you looked at the fully compliant groups, you saw 60% protection in hospitalisation yes. and over 90% protection from death. Mm. So again, I would expect some of these antivirals to become, again, additional tools that would complement, they're different from the vaccines, but again, they would complement the vaccines and I think that's only positive news. Paul, fantastic. I, I won't say goodbye this time. I'll be in touch if that's okay. <laughs> Of course, Jerry, no problem. <laughs> Paul, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us again on the show today. That's Professor Paul Moyne, Head of the Department of Biology, Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. Jerry McNally from Knockbridge has been in touch. Nice to hear from you, Jerry. He says he stood in Aldi last week and counted at least 20 people coming in. Only three people sterilised their hands. We're just becoming heedless, says Jerry. Couldn't disagree with you on that. Hi, Jerry, says another listener. Just wanted to say, has anyone experienced quite a few places not asking for COVID? COVID certificates. Personally, I haven't been out to these places, but my family and friends are experiencing this. Why is this not being addressed? Thank you, says a listener to us this afternoon. What do you feel about the COVID cert? Are you being asked? Are you not? Are people dropping their guard? If you have something to say, love to hear from you. 086 1800 658 WhatsApp or text me to the show if you'd like to join in the conversation. Anne's been on to say, Jerry, on the COVID certs, most places aren't asking for them. I know coffee shops with almost no elbow room between tables and no certs, contact details asked for. Also, pubs the last while, not asking and getting round the seating issue by leaving open tables for people who aren't in a group to sit together. I saw a few older gents come in at different times for a pint, sit at a table and nod at others at the table, but obviously they didn't know each other, says Anne. It's not good enough, is it? It really is not good enough. We've got to apply 
the rules and regulations. All business owners, you've got to apply them. I've heard of a very prominent case myself of a pub locally where people are going in willy-nilly, not being asked for certs. What the hell's going on? Anywhere caught at that should be really have the book thrown at them. I really mean that. Anyway, we move on on late lunch today because another big issue facing us is this world of ours heating up. Yes, COP26 has opened in Glasgow today. 12 days of discussions to stop and reverse global warming. I'm joined now by a man originally from Navin. He is uh, the co-owner of Gaia Ecotecture. It's an ecological architecture sustainable design business and he's known in this country as a pioneer of sustainable building. You are a pioneer and regarded as a pioneer of sustainable building. Do you know something about reading the weekend. I'll ask you to comment on this first. Cement manufacturing accounts for 7% of global CO2 emissions, three times the emissions produced by aviation. That's a shocking stat, isn't it? It is, yeah. So so concrete built is better built in the foundations, but above ground, like the credit union in Navam, that's got six floor and roof plates altogether, all of massive timber. So we don't we don't need so much concrete and we don't need so much steel. The great materials in the right place, but we use far too much of them. And and with cement, there's a very good option of GGBS, which is a, a side product of steel manufacture. There's an excellent Irish company, and that radically reduces the carbon. So in the foundations, yes, but nowhere else you're saying. Well, no, because concrete is a brilliant material. You you try and do a long span bridge in a marine environment with mm. corrosion risk and so on. Concrete is the right material, but like all design, it's a question of trying to identify the elegant solution of choosing the right material in the right place. But but we we ha- we lost it a bit with a kind of addiction to concrete. And look at all the problems with pyrites yes. and mica and so on. You know these are very serious problems. So are you so saying to me? Is- are you saying to me that cement manufacturing, which is you know integral to the integral to the uh, concrete process, it will always be with us, but it can be reduced. You're saying? Yes, and, and by using GGBS and other techniques, there, there are wonderful advances with rotary kilns and so on. So it's a question of being up to date uh, and, and using the most efficient methods and not being extreme. Like it would be very extreme to say no concrete. But there are many cases, for example, where you can avoid concrete and use limecrete. You mm. just wait a little longer for the thing to come to strength. Okay. So in founda- in foundations, you can use traditional lime. How many lime kilns are there throughout the country? That is a tradition in Ireland also. Mm. I read a very interesting article about you recently about this wood smoke house that you designed uh, a few years back that's on the market again down in Bandon in Cork. And it is beautiful, so it is. And it has a great BR rating and it fits in brilliantly with the future. But I want to put this to you today. That's a one-off house there on a site. How can we move in this direction with mass housing? Because we've got a bill, they're talking about, what, 30,000, 40,000 houses a year. How can we incorporate that brilliance into mass house building? Oh, no problem. I mean, it, it's eminently suitable because 
off-site construction, given our climate, is quick, efficient, very good tolerances. You know, they, there's a little bit of a prejudice against timber, but if timber is used intelligently, you get much better quality, cost, and time management. Uh, so that's already quite extensive through the country. Um, so the, the Bandon House was for marvelous people who were activists in ecological mm. thinking. Uh, uh, he was a doctor and head of the um, Irish Doctors Environmental Association. And uh, the daughter of the house is now a working ecologist. So they kind of got it. And the house exemplified their um, approach. You know, it, it was a win-win, a happy house. And yes. That's a big message that we don't have to have the hair shirt with this uh, ecological thinking. There's a win-win here. Yes, because you see, Paul, most people believe, and, and like, it, it, it's the way it, I think it, the message is coming across to us or being sold to us. Like, you think about it, that people feel, yes, we, our, our lives are going to be diminished. It's going to cost us an awful lot more to live in this fashion as well or build these homes in this way. You say no. Yeah, I, I came across a wonderful Tibetan proverb at the weekend, which was, eat half, walk twice, laugh three times, and love as much as possible. <laughs> That's green thinking. <laughs> We'd all love to put that into practice in our lives. But look, in a practical sense, come back to the mass housing, and there's a lot of it going on, as you know, up around this neck of the woods in the northeast, being a satellite area for the city of Dublin. What are you saying? Timber framed houses, uh, timber on the inside or fully timber, timber on the inside, block brick on the outside, that traditional type construction or what? Yeah, there's, there's a whole range of possibilities. Like in the credit union building, it's all timber, but there's no timber whatsoever on the outside. We know our climate. Mm. So it's a clay, a thin clay tile, fired clay tile. And that makes a marvelous rain screen cladding. There are, of course, many other options. Hempcrete, for example, is a very interesting material where you, you use a lime mix with, with uh, harvested hemp. Um, there's a whole raft of materials available. Uh, brick is a beautiful material. I, I mean, it doesn't need maintenance. It, it lasts for a very long time. We still have Roman brick uh, structures. Mm. Clay, clay, not not steel, not concrete, yes. not aluminium. Yeah. So there are many options, you're saying to me, and many viable options that can really move us in the direction uh, we need to move in. What about existing older housing stock and retrofitting? What do you do there? Oh, that's that's a terrific subject. You know, we, we, we have a need for 200,000 houses in Ireland at the moment, but there are 200,000 vacant uh, buildings in our streets. We have up to 31% vacancy. So the government are just about to publish a town centre first policy. They will, will have a whole series of incentives and assistance to, to get our towns, which are draining of life, back to life. Get lights on at night upstairs, you know, thriving streets, retail businesses coming back into use. Uh, that's the way to go. Uh, the, the most sustainable building of all is the existing building. Even though it may be constructed of materials that, you know, are of a time, it's much better now, windows that are of a time, doors, insulation. Yeah, but if you look at our really traditional buildings, a lot of them behave 
much more efficiently than than buildings of the 20th century. Uh, you know, we had skinny uh, walls, uh, drafty windows, uninsulated roofs. You look at a good sturdy building uh, with solid walling, smaller windows of, of old growth hardwood, which are still there after a very long time, slated roofs, uh, you know, which are low maintenance. Um, yeah, it, lime mortar. Uh, there's a wonderful group called the Society of Protection of Ancient Buildings. There's an Irish branch. And there you can find lots of information on how to sensitively restore these buildings, get them warm and draft proof. That's the way to go. It can be done. Come back to the other uh, uh, aspect I mentioned to this a, a few moments ago. We're, we're all being told heat pumps are the future. You know, solar panels on the roofs, improve the insulation, the windows, doors, as I mentioned a moment ago. It all costs, Paul. And, you know, people are struggling, struggling at the moment to make ends meet. This can't happen without subvention from government. Yeah, there's an interaction between government and people. But broadly speaking, if you if every household asks themselves, well, could I get my carbon down by 7% in the year? We all can. You know, we go to go and boil a kettle. We don't need to fill the kettle. Half fill the kettle for the cup of, or pot of tea you're making. You know, think about food. I've been a vegetarian for 50 years. I haven't eaten meat for 50 years. That's not for everyone, but we can cut down. Fish on a Friday is an Irish tradition, for example. So it, that's transformative. There's there's factor 10 there in that food business. And I heard an inspirational thing about a young farmer. He's in his 20s down in Rathcormac in, in north of Cork City. And he's got his carbon footprint for the farm. He's farming it with his dad, but he's really taking over the farm, working as partners with his dad. And by just adjusting urea-coated fertilizer, uh, food stock for for their animals, uh, slurry spreading techniques, and they've got the carbon down by 17%, just by a little bit of thought. They haven't suffered any financial loss. In fact, they've gained in some ways because they've reduced their costs. So that's the kind of thinking, I think, if we had Team Ireland from from the kitchen to the farm to the workplace to how we choose to move around, we can do this. 7% a year is not a big deal. So it can be done with a little bit of vision and planning and support, etc. But you see, that's often what's missing, you see, Paul, in this little island of ours that we all love by times um, you know it's short termism uh, especially in the political sphere where people are looking at can I be elected the next election I'll do the populist thing rather than the right thing sure and that's a problem of, of our, our short term electoral cycles and if you were elected you would be concerned about being re-elected and so would I because that's the way this system works so we need to have a kind of Greta factor in the people at large. You look at what happens in Ireland when we have a climate change impact. Floods through the Midlands, you know, the callows of the Shannon, uh, droughts when farmers were seeing Neolithic remains coming up through the dry mm. grass because mm. we're parched. Now, all that has a huge cost. So we need, we need to start factoring in what are called the externalities. In, in actual euros, you know, what does the alternative, if we must talk just in terms of euros, but but that it's more to do with survival. I've got four grandchildren, one of them's only a few days old, 
when I look into his eyes and think of him at my age, I worry. You know, it's up to us now. We haven't made a great job of it. And it's up to us now to look after the health of those little little guys and, and their welfare, you know, when they're well advanced in life as I am. I think there's a word missing from the, um, the get-together in Glasgow. Cop on 26. If we just cop on, Paul. Absolutely. Cop on is the key word. I heard it used on the news about young people who are going there. And if we all listen more to young people, kids coming to the end of primary cycle, uh, secondary school uh, students at transition level and later, they get it. They are deeply worried about what's coming down the road for them. Mm. It's uh, Is it a seminal moment? Do you think this is if we fail in this time, in Glasgow at this time, are we goosed? Absolutely. I mean, you, you look at a, a piece of limestone out in the countryside. I was thinking about it today, a lichen. And you have a fungus and an algae who are interacting. They've evolved endosymbiotically to as a life form. Now, we're just like that on planet Earth. If Earth decides to give us a good scratch, we're, we're toast. We're gone. We're nearly toast already. You know, we're losing a species that's been calculated every uh, 10 minutes. Uh, we could be one of those sometime soon. And COVID has shown us that when catastrophic change comes upon us, we rapidly move outside of the limits of our own control. So it's just streetwise, self-protective vision to start living the win-win of thoughtful use of food, of energy, of transportation modes. It's well within our grasp. And if we don't, I, I really dread what's coming to, to little children. I really like what you're saying. There's so much to pick from what we've spoken about there. To be positive about as well, but the time for talking is over. It's action now. Paul, I'll be back to you. Love the chat today. Team Ireland. <laughs> That's Team it. Ireland. <laughs> That's it, Paul. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Let's do it. Yeah, talk to you soon. Take care of yourself. That's Paul Leach originally from uh, Navin, a brilliant, brilliant guy. And uh, appropriate that we chat in the manner we have at this time. You heard there, I'm encouraged. We all can chip in. But it's got to be commitment, there's got to be a plan, and we've got to stick to it. Isn't he a great guy, Paul Leach? He's fab, isn't he? Yeah. And just, you did mention, um, Jerry, the the house that he built in Bandon, wasn't it? Oh, fantastic. But um, if anybody wants to see his work locally, yeah. um, he did design St Mary's Credit Union in Navan and won a multitude oh, of awards. Oh, it's lovely. It's yeah. lovely. Thanks for reminding me about that. If and wants to see it. Uh, Gaia Ecotecture is his business. G-A-I-A, Ecotecture. You can look him up there. He's a very... Inter- but you'd be encouraged, Louise, by him. You, mm. you know, it, it's Simple not things. all doom and gloom. You know, and when I hear, we should be regenerating the centre of our towns. Well, that, you know, there's lots of accommodation available there and we need to build. It makes sense to do this and pump money into it as well. It really, really does. You know, and the other thing... That's I was, an antisocial behaviour as well. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. It reinvigorates the heart of our towns. And it's we're crying out for it here in the Northeast and all around the country, in fact. But there's an interesting uh, stat for you. Elon Musk, you know the fellow who's trying to mm. fly to Saturn and Jupiter and everywhere else like that? He's on way to be the first trillionaire in the Well, world, listen to this. 2% of Elon Musk's wealth would solve world hunger forever. Forever. 2% of his wealth. What could he do with some more of it to help this planet of ours instead of bucking will flying to all these... M- 
Oh, don't get me started about this. Cop yourself on, Mr. Musk, and help the people. And all the others as well who are into space exploration. Name of God. I think he thinks he's Jim Kerr. They want to escape it before it blows up. He thinks he's Jim Kerr. Then point the ears next like Spock, so he will. (laughs) Help the world, Mr. Musk. Instead of flying to places we'll never be able, never be able to live on. Let's live on this planet and look after it, I say today. Anyway, so many people to say hello to. Rose Healy, you met her the weekend. lovely woman. Yes, she's a lovely lady. Passed on her regards. Say hello today. She was at the Navin Hospital Walk. What a turnout there was for that. Power to the people, huh? It's, the hospital saved her life. She yes. got there for 10 minutes and collapsed and ended up in intensive there care. There you go. She said she wouldn't have made Drogheda or Dublin or anything. And uh, Rose, lovely to hear from you. And she's a great listener to the show. I want to say hello as well to Mary Hapney from Rathkenny. I was talking to her the weekend. And she's a massive fan of Late Lunch and LMFM Radio. And she's the loveliest, loveliest woman. And I told her I'd say hello to her today on the show. Mary, hope you're keeping well. That's Mary Halpney or Hapney in Rathkenny, who's a listener of ours. And I want to wish Rosemary Conway, pharmacist from Ashburn. She's 40 years a pharmacist, celebrating very that. Oh, very today. popular. She's 40. Years in the business and celebrating it, and we wish her well. Coming up after our next break on the show, Fiona Buckley's here. She's a HR specialist. Are you demotivated or madly motivated in her job? We're talking motivation with Fiona today. But for all we mentioned there, Mary Mary Hapney to Rose Healy and Rosemary Conway, well, we'll play this for you. He was my artist of the week, and you've all got it. You have indeed. You have. Anything you want. We're talking motivation for the next while on the show with work behaviourist, empowerment coach and leadership expert Fiona Buckley. Fiona, welcome back to the show. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I was just laughing to myself. Roy Orbitson, what a song. Anything you got or anything you want, you got it. What a motivational song, given the topic we're talking about. Ah, you're on the ball and you're motivated. (laughs) I just hear it in your demeanour today. You're always motivated. Tell me this. In terms of motivation, no mon, no fun. Is it really all about the monetary reward? Well, the one thing I think the pandemic has taught us is it's not just about the money. If you look at companies, big tech companies like your likes of Google and LinkedIn and all those big companies that had these massive, um, you know, corporate entities with all the on-site benefits like pool tables, getting your nails done, on-site chefs, all that stuff. When the pandemic happened, all those kind of extrinsic benefits and motivators stopped. Everything went back just to that person. And when you are going to bed at night and you're getting up in the morning, when we were all on lockdown at home, it was it was often nothing to do with the money or nothing to do with those kind of extrinsic or external benefits. Everything actually went quite inside and intrinsic. And, you know, we, we can often be motivated by intrinsic, internal and extrinsic, external things. But the pandemic has really taught us, Jerry, that it's actually much more about inside ourselves. So what is the value we place in our job? What is the meaning we have in our work? And what's that real sense of purpose about things? Value, meaning and purpose. So important. Uh, the three cornerstones, if you like. So it really is, no matter what happens or even anything else that a company does, that a manager does, you know what I mean, to motivate his team, is it is it a fact now that that's not as important as 
the number one ourselves within ourselves is that it well I think it's twofold like obviously the companies and leaders and managers need to try and do things to motivate the teams in general but I think again the pandemic has really taught us to really look inside ourselves because we were in that kind of lockdown period that we had to get up every day and do the same thing in our little home office at home now obviously not everybody was at home some people Mm. had to go into the office but the majority of people were so regardless of what motivational talk your manager gave you that morning or that week it often led to your yourself, your own thoughts, your own inner critic, your own motivational drive. And a lot of us during the pandemic were doing a lot of self-reflection, Jerry. We were in our heads an awful lot. And for example, if you have a kind of a bad day on a Monday, and hopefully not today, right? <laughs> but typically, if you had a bad day on a Monday, chances are you're going to have a bad day on a Tuesday unless you interrupt that thought pattern and put something positive into your mind. Now, you're responsible for that. You as an individual are responsible for that. And 90% of our thoughts are recycled from day to day. Mm. So that's what we say if we have a bad day on Monday, unless we kind of give ourselves that little pep talk and build ourselves up a little bit and give some perspective, then that's going to change around our thoughts to, to the next day. Like when we go back into the offices or when we were in the offices, obviously our leaders and our managers and our team's motivation is really important because if you're really pumped up and you're really motivated and energetic, but your team aren't, that's really going to drag you down as well, isn't it? Yes, yes, for sure. And and that you spark off people and you have that personal interaction but here's the thing you've set me thinking about this because I always had the impression you know somebody who's in an absolutely repetitive um, no change job that might be on a production line or something like that and then somebody who you would say oh you have a very interesting job God almighty I'd love that you know motivation is it the same for both no matter where you stand in this whole work spectrum does it come down to the same things no matter the role we're all very wired differently and and some of the biggest mistakes we make in life and in business is that we assume everyone is motivated like ourselves Mm. so I remember when I was leading teams over the years I often thought why aren't people more energetic or why aren't people excited about something or motivated about something because I was expecting them to behave like me and that's the biggest mistake we can make people working on a production line they they might absolutely love their job and are very motivated by the you know getting specific things done by a specific time Mm. and that's the way they're driven so that's what's motivating them is getting a quota done by the end of the day people in marketing or PR are very motivated by being allowed to use the creative part of their brain Uh, you know accountants are very motivated by figures that's where they get into the business so we're all very wired differently but there's so many different variables that wrap around that like mood and the people in our personal life the people in our in our work related life and if we're part of a team that might be a little bit toxic or negative that can really encroach or derail us even if we're the most motivated people in the world so we kind of have to look at about ourselves as individuals but also around the team around us and how much do we let that encroach on top of us so personality are more introverted types like motivated by different things than extroverts? Yeah, this is an interesting one because a classic example here is, Jerry. if you can imagine someone running a marathon, right? Mm. If an introvert is running a marathon, and I'm speaking very generically here, obviously, okay, but if an introvert is running a marathon, they're probably not going to tell a lot of people they run it and you might find out years later they ran it. If an extrovert is running a marathon, it's all over their social media. (laughs) 
Uh, they're telling everyone about, oh, I did 10K tonight. I'm doing 15K tomorrow. Look at a picture of me, my banana and my Lucas drink, you know, and we're looking for the bounce back effect from uh, other people. So we're looking for validation from other people and we're looking for people to literally bounce off us and go, well done, Fiona, that's what you're doing. So extroverts love to talk about what they're doing. They love telling people publicly about their goals and they love the energy they get back from other people, whereas more quieter introverted types don't need to do that. They have it within mm. themselves. So we are kind of motivated differently, but we can still be motivated by the different things. It's how we do it. Yes. You know that voice that talks to me in my head every day? I don't know who it is, but it talks to me <laughs> all of the time. It's talking to me now as I talk to you. Uh, how does oh. that, you know, <laughs> that inner, you know, that inner voice, the critic, if you like inner to critic. call it. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. where does it come in with motivation or demotivation? Oh, geez, Jerry, how long do you have for this one? <laughs> um, our inner critic, I think we need to designate a section just for this one time, but our inner critic is very, very powerful and it really exploded during the pandemic because we are on our own a lot more, we're self-reflecting a lot more, but we actually have seven inner critics. Everybody has seven inner critics. I'm not going to go through them all, but just to give you a flavour of them, one inner critic could be what we call the inner controller, right? And the inner controller inner critic is the one that tells you to speak or basically shut up, okay? <laughs> so if you're in a meeting and you're dying to say something and you hold back and you don't bother saying anything, then the meeting is over. Afterwards, then your inner critic says, I can't believe I didn't speak up. Now no one thinks I have a voice. Clearly that never happens to me, Jerry. Um, but <laughs> we, we, you know, people just really say to themselves, for a whole hour after that meeting they give themselves that awful post-mortem and their inner critic jumps all over that basically our inner critic in general can either motivate us if we have a good relationship with it and it's nice positive self-talk mm. Or it can really derail us because it can cause anxiety and uh, demotivates us as well if we listen to the inner critic. And that's where things like low confidence, low self-esteem, imposter syndrome, feeling like a fraud in our jobs, such a common feeling for people. That's where that lives. So think about it, right? If you've got a negative inner critic that you're giving into, and you uh, are going to automatically lack a bit of confidence and confidence and motivation are linked because if you're confident in your ability, you're going to put your foot on the gas and go full throttle because yes. you believe in yourself. If you don't have that confidence in yourself, your foot doesn't go on the gas all the way. You kind of teeter around it and you go, do you know what? I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. So I'm not going to give everything to it. So there's a huge link there. Big link in, indeed. What about back to the uh, person who say, does their job, clocks in, puts in a good day's work, always there, reliable, but gets the motivation perhaps outside of work. You know what I'm talking about? I've been in roles Absolutely. like this in my life where actually my extracurricular activities were the real motivation. I gave my job everything, but you know what I'm talking about? Is that okay or is it harmful? That's, that's not harmful. That's totally fine because you don't want everyone in a company that wants to be everything to everybody. We need people that just go in and do what they're happy to do and they're employed to do and don't want to, you know, create the world inside and in a particular job. Mm. But some people have an awful lot of, of sense of meaning with extracurricular activities. If people um, doing charity work or volunteer work get an awful sense uh, of positive meaning and value in that. 
but equally they can be happy doing their job because that's what motivates them. So not everybody wants to go in uh, high energy and tackle every new thing on a different day. Some people just want to go in and do what they're employed to do and that is it. And that's okay because as long as they're getting meaning from something and what's a very important concept is a thing we call state of flow or flow state. Mm. If you have a job that you're happy doing and you get into what we call the state of flow, you're coming out of work and you're actually feeling that you've had a good day. Mm. We need to have those days at least once a week. Like, let's be honest, Jerry, we're not going to have a good day every day. It's just not physically possible. But if you're at least once a week, you want to be coming out of work, be it online or in person, saying, I had a really good day today. And what I often say to people is, if you can actually once a week go back and say, what really made my week you know, work well for me this week and what didn't, that's a really good way of kind of self-reflecting to see what actually is making you energetic and work and what's motivating you. Just before we finish, from a manager's point of view and an employee's, if you have someone that's not really motivated and you see it, is it possible, you know, and you haven't got the wherewithal to give them the six numbers in the lottery tonight or something like that, is it possible to motivate them and should you get in there and make sure you motivate them? And again, it's a dual responsibility here. Sometimes the person is not a right fit for the role. Sometimes the person is not a right fit for the company. And then you're kind of fighting against it, aren't you? Because if you're not, if it's not going to work out, whereas it's a fit kind of issue, sometimes you can do all you can in the world and they're still not going to be motivated. But you really have to try and, and put it back to that person to go, what really do they want? What's what are their strengths? And one of the biggest ways we can motivate anybody is to make sure they're using their strengths. Their strengths are talents. So for an example, a strength could be relationship building, it could be report writing, whatever it is. But when we use our strengths, we're automatically going to be motivated. So that's the first thing I would say to any manager who sees that the, the kind of fire has gone out of somebody and they need a bit of help with the motivation piece. Ask them, are they using their strengths okay. and what they can do to support them in using their strengths or even help them find out what their strengths mm. are. Mm. Great stuff. Look at you. Fantastic. I could go on for the whole afternoon talking to you, but we will be back with you next month and do check her out. FionaBuckley.com. Fantastic day. I'm highly motivated. See you soon. <laughs> Bye, Jerry. Take care. Bye-bye. Fiona Buckley there. Isn't she brilliant? We were talking to Paul Moyne earlier on about the uh, measures slipping among ourselves, you know, as regards COVID. Listen on to say, I went out for the Liverpool-Man United game two weeks ago with my son. My first time out in 18 months. First pub, no checks, no mask. I left. It was the same with every pub in town. I went home. My daughter works weekends in the hospitality sector. No one is checked. And she went to her Debs last week in Dublin. Same again. No checks. It's an absolute joke, says a listener. So it seems the guard's not only dropped, it's non-existent in an awful lot of places. God, folks, we just got to tighten up. We have to. I say it again. We've got to tighten up for everybody's sake. You were at late lunch on LMFM Radio. Still to come on the show, Declan Bailey, What's Up with WhatsApp, and my Artist of the Week. you love her, I promise you. My Artist of the Week this week is Stefani Joanne Angelina Germanotta. And she was born on the 28th of March, 1986, in Manhattan in New York City. The daughter of Catholic parents of Italian descent. Her parents, Cynthia and Joseph, are successful business people who also have a younger daughter called 
Natalie. Stephanie began playing piano at the tender age of four and as she grew up, uh, she went on to create music, not by the teaching method or the reading method, but by ear. She studied method acting too, played at open mic nights around New York City as a teenager and unsuccessfully auditioned for several New York theatre shows. She formed the SG Band in 2005 and from that was picked up by music producer Rob Fusari, who was the first person to call her Lady Gaga, a name derived, believe it or not, from the Queen song Radio Gaga. She met and performed uh, as time moved on with performance artist Lady Starlight, and this certainly would become part of her persona. And as Fusari continued to develop her songs, which he then sent to record executive Vincent Herbert, and when he heard them, it made a huge impression on this man. And Gaga says that Herbert was the man that really made her. When she met him and started to work with him, well, her fortunes changed. He signed her up to Streamline Records. She worked through 2007 on her debut album called The Fame, which when released in August 2008, became a massive worldwide hit with its first two singles, Just Dance and this one, making it to number one in the USA and the UK. Yes, my artist of the week, Lady Gaga. Honey, Joanne, Angelina, Geminata, my artist of the week, Lady Gaga. Isn't she fantastic? I love her. She's just something else. She really, really is. Special talent and more about her in words and music on Late Lunch Roundabout this time tomorrow afternoon. Now, WhatsApp is very popular. It really is, isn't it? All oh, people love it. You can make calls on it. You can do everything you want, really, on it. It's something else. But uh, things have changed with WhatsApp in recent times and some people are finding it difficult. It's not there for them. They can't get access. So what's happening with WhatsApp? Our man, our IT man, Declan Bailey, is going to tell us next. Declan Bailey is from Business Tech Help and he's always here to help you and me and everybody else. Declan, welcome back to the show. Hi, Jerry. how are you? I'm good. What's up with WhatsApp? I love that. That's Louise. That's Louise, as you know, her mind, she's very furtive, you know. There's a problem, though. There is, aren't there, for uh, some users? There is indeed, yeah. WhatsApp have pulled support for certain devices. Um, starting today... So essentially, if you've got an older Android or an older Apple phone, your device will not work anymore. Now, you might get it over the next few days, but the WhatsApp app will stop working. So, Declan, what are you talking about? Take, let's talk about Apple first and iPhone. What phones are, are you talking about? So there's only a couple, really, with the iPhone. I have iPhone SE, that was launched a few years back, and the 6S. So anything below that, so the 4, the 5, they're all gone. So up to the 6S, that's, it's going to be gone. So iOS 9, which is the software version that Apple has, we're on 15 at the moment. But if you still have iOS 9, which a lot of people still have, mm. they've old, you know, iPhone 4s, iPhone 5s, it's not supported on those anymore. And then with Android 
anything uh, 4.0.3. So anything lower than that. Now again, that's a very old version, but there's still people going around with old Samsungs, LG phones, Huawei phones that would have that version of software and it won't be supported on that. So you just haven't got access to uh, WhatsApp anymore. Is that it from today? See, the other big thing about this as well is that a lot of people used WhatsApp, the desktop version. Mm. So when you you could actually log into WhatsApp web app and when that came up on your browser, it would ask you to scan a QR code from your phone. So once you did that on the phone, go into WhatsApp, you click on their QR code and it would read the QR code on your desktop. Mm. And then that would link you your WhatsApp account would go straight onto your desktop. So you'd see all the chats, everything would just transcribe over there and you'd be able to use it on a desktop. So a lot of people used it for that. But that will be gone now because of your older device. It will not read the QR code anymore. So that's a big thing there for people. So Declan, is there a fix for this or is it just your goose it's and you gotta phone. you gotta move on and upgrade? You gotta upgrade the phone. Simple as that. Now you can what they let you do is they let you back up because again a lot of people wouldn't delete any of their chats and WhatsApp and would have huge threads. So you can back them up, but you want to be backing them up now today, tomorrow, because if they pull full support, the chats can go. So if you back up your chat, then you need to get a new handset. So when you do get a new handset, download WhatsApp, sign in with your number, and then you can restore all your chats. Mm, that's very, very important mm. uh, where mm. there's uh, a lot of stuff of, of, of value to people. For the rest, beyond those older uh, you know, phones mm. and uh, platforms, there's no issue at all. Everything's no. fine. No, no whatsoever. Now, the other thing as well, Jerry, don't forget, if you didn't want to update and WhatsApp wasn't that crucial to you, there is Telegram out there, Signal, and Facebook's Messenger. They'll still work. Mm. So yeah, there is an alternative. But it's just all about really trying to support the latest smartphones, you know, WhatsApp, trying to integrate different services. And they will not, it's just like any big provider now, like with Windows, they won't support Windows XE anymore, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just they're moving on and moving forward. So there's no, today if you're experiencing difficulty and listening to us and you're a bit of a panic, 6S and below on the Apple suite mm. of products and 4.0.3 on Android, you're not supported as of today and there's nothing you can do about it but move at the times and upgrade. It's a very popular platform, isn't it Declan? Absolutely. Because it can do so much. Yes, and huge. You hear it all the time that you're in a WhatsApp group with somebody. So that's the really big thing. People are in WhatsApp groups, either for family, with work, with sports, all that kind of stuff. So it's huge that way. So you could really think of maybe, you know, an older person that is in a WhatsApp group that wouldn't bother updating the phone. They've no need to. They don't want the better camera or anything else. They're the people that's going to be targeted. You know, that's, they're going to have to do something. So, yeah, it, it is a thing that, you know, WhatsApp is massive. Yeah, it is a huge... And, and the phone calls as well. People use it all the time exactly. to make calls. And the quality, we've been using it here too. It's, it's really good on it, isn't it? Yeah, and that's, and that's the other thing as well. They're trying to keep that getting better and better. So therefore, you know, they, they do need the more up-to-date software from the device to move that on as well. But yeah, there is a lot when you think of something. It's like anything. It's only when you go to lose something, you realise, oh God, I do this, that and the other with it. So, yeah.
Declan, in a general sense, I can talk about it now that the 30, uh, the last day of October is over and that Halloween thing is done with. And we're certainly in the run-in uh, to Christmas now. And many people are, like, looking early, you know, for gifts and presents and things like that for family and friends. What's your take on this, you know, as regards supply chains and, you know, price-wise? Yeah, that's the thing. Now, that is the thing this year. It's going to be supply. And that's what everybody now is... Like, look at the PlayStation 5. Should that's the, there's a waiting list mm. around the world for that mm. but that's going to happen with every especially with smart end high end phones so expensive phones I know even from myself looking at the Apple website the Apple Max now are being pushed out of two to three weeks wait so they just can't get the stock so there is going to be a problem this year with stock so if there's something that you're looking for in particular and somebody wants a specific phone you are going to have to go that little bit earlier and not leave it until oh, I'll get that you know the week before or two weeks before that's just not going to happen this year you're going to have to you know engage earlier with whatever you're looking for so that's your advice get cracking now straight away and don't be disappointed because you will if you leave it too late just as an aside before we finish 26th of November Black Friday this year mm. from your point of view and we're talking about buying and deals what are you expecting will, will that day bring you know offers and, and ones that can be fulfilled before Christmas yeah what's going to happen with that is and you can see where co- this is going to be fantastic for technology companies especially is they can wash out old stock so they will put older stock on sale and wash that stock out, but certainly not newer models. That's just, that's just, I can't see that happening. Why? Like, how will they discount something that they can't get stock of? Yes. So it will be older stuff, legacy stuff. So, yeah, there will be some good deals around, but certainly not for current models of anything. So there you are. Sound advice from Declan today. Check them out. Uh, check them out if you want to design a website, uh, push your products for Christmas, all that type of thing. Declan is there. BusinessTechHelp.net. BusinessTechHelp.net. We're always grateful for your time, Declan. Thanks for the advice again today. And we'll be talking to you, I know, between now and that big day on the 25th of December. Thanks, Dec. Cheers, Jerry. Take Bye. care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. He's top guy, uh, Declan. He really is Declan Bailey. And you have uh, heard what he has to say today about WhatsApp and more besides. Anyway, that's our lot, lot on late lunch this first day of November. On the second day of Christmas, no, of late lunch in November, uh, we have the wonderful Celine Byrne with me tomorrow on the show. Looking forward to catching up with her. Dolores Whelan will be here as well today on All Souls Day tomorrow. Uh, talking about, you know, the whole Celtic year and spirituality. Nikki Kyle's in the house. There's jobs to be done in the garden. There is. It might be November, but there are. And we will hear the latest instalment from the wonderful Sinead Burke. She brings us her banter too on the show and more besides. All we need is you to come along and join us tomorrow. I know you will. Have a nice Monday evening. Eddie Caffrey's rearing up uh, to go with the drive and more besides. Wonderful music here on LMFM Radio. Stay with us on the station and we'll see you for late lunch Tuesday at 1 30. Take care. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Drada and Talking Cabin. Let Blackstone Motors find the perfect car for you. With over 300 cars to choose from, we have the biggest selection of pre-owned cars in Drada and Talking Cabin. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie for more details. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 